0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of Blue Marble Podcast, where I talk about ways to put your green faith into action and to manifest good magic for the planet. I'm your host, Rev Charbert, with awesome networks, Circle Sanctuary, Green Faith, and the Climate Reality Project. As always, I want to give a big shout out to all you eco-warriors out there who work to honor and protect this blue marble planet with all its wonderful diversity and biodiversity. I hope this podcast continues to educate and to motivate. This month, we celebrate Earth Day on April 22nd, which every year is a time to honor the planet by recommitting ourselves to the work of eco-activism. Earth Day is also always a call to action to engage advocacy and climate justice. That is the overarching term now, climate justice, that speaks to the vast intersectionality of the environmental movement today. In the interest of keeping it real, I got to say that the pollution we continue to put into the atmosphere at alarming rates is affecting every single living system every ecosystem, every bioregion, and every life form on this planet. Nothing is unaffected by the increased global warming that is happening because of human-affected climate change. We are the cause of the sixth mass extinction on this planet, and we are also able to stop that trajectory, even reverse some of it, if we act now. So this Earth- day is a critical Earth Day. With the third critical installment of the IPCC report having come out, the international scientific community understands and states in no uncertain terms that we have seven to 10 years probably to make positive change here. And if we do not, we're probably looking at a planet we will not recognize. I know, fun way to start a podcast by scaring the living wits out of all of us, but the news that we don't hear enough of is this. And we also don't hear enough of the hope, the possibility of something so much better Of something transformative that can break through to a way of living on the planet that is so much better than what the modern age, dominated by colonization and industrialization, has done. We can do better than this. And that's the big takeaway. We also don't hear enough about those actual solutions that exist now. So that's why I'm sharing this podcast with you today. At the time of this, first airing, which is April 21st, 2023 at 7 p.m. Central time in the USA, we are on the eve of Earth Day 2023. Many of you will hear this on Earth Day or during the Earth month of April. And because of that, I'm gonna focus on some real, legit things you can be doing now to help the planet. Honor the Earth, Mother Gaia, love her, cherish her, and then put some footwork underneath your magic making to manifest real change. One of my personal heroes is Dr. Jane Goodall, renowned zoologist who brought attention to the plight of chimpanzees and gorillas and who has become an enduring icon in the environmental movement and now climate movement. Her words capture the state of things. She says this, when I was studying chimpanzees, I learned about the interconnectedness of all life in the rainforest, how every species of plant and animal has a role to play in the tapestry of life. When a species becomes extinct, a hole is made in that tapestry. When it becomes too torn and tattered, an entire ecosystem may collapse. The thing is, we too are a part of the natural world. We depend on it for oxygen, food, water, clothing, everything and it too has become torn and tattered. What separates us most from our closest living relatives, the chimpanzees, and from all other animals is the explosive development of the human intellect. Now, animals are far more intelligent than once was thought. We know that, but even so, no animal could come up with a theory of relativity or land on the moon. That's the intellectual capacity. And how bizarre that we, the most intellectual of all species, should be destroying our only home. There seems to have been a disconnect between our clever brains and the love and compassion that poetically we seat in the human heart. Only when head and heart work in harmony, I think, says Jane Goodall, can we attain our true human potential. We must develop a new relationship with nature and ensure that our children are equipped to deal with the problems we have created. And she goes on to say, I have three reasons for hope, the energy and commitment of youth, the resilience of nature and the way animal and plant species can be rescued from extinction and the human intellect, which is focusing on how we can live in greater harmony with nature. We do have a window of time there are practical solutions and we and all our institutions can initiate and implement them in order to restore life and climactic stability on earth. So let us work to live up to our scientific name, Homo sapiens, the wise ape. Thank you, Dr. Jane Goodall. You know, every April 22nd, stakeholders of all backgrounds come together to advance sustainability and climate action in commemoration of Earth Day. Our world needs transformation. It's time for the people of the world to hold governments and the private sector accountable for their role in our environmental crisis, while also calling for bold, creative and innovative solutions. This will require action at all levels, from business and investment to city and national governments. And that's where we all come in, folks like you and me as individuals. We yield real power for change through our influence as customers, as voters, as community members. I, I have to remember not to underestimate our power. I get alerts coming in from climate action now from organizations that say, we did it. You know, you gave mass commentary back and they stopped this. The New York climate laws were just saved because 3000 of you commented, wow, you guys showed up. I mean, the fact that over 150 organizations around the country had hundreds and hundreds of meetings with thousands and thousands and thousands of constituents pushing for it. We got stuff like the new climate legislation in the USA today, you know, We have power. We're in a a representative democracy and we have power. And when our voice and actions are united with millions of others around the world, we can and do generate and create an inclusive and impactful movement that is impossible to ignore. March 20th marked the release of the final installment of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change's sixth assessment report. When we say IPCC, that's what we mean. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. And this report was AR6, their sixth assessment report. This was an eight-year-long undertaking from the world's most authoritative scientific body on climate change. Drawing on the findings of 234 scientists on the physical science of climate change, 270 scientists on the impacts, adaptation and vulnerability to climate change and 278 scientists on climate change mitigation, this IPCC synthesis report provides the most comprehensive, best available scientific assessment of climate change. Which is unbelievable, because at no time in human history have we had this kind of analysis, evaluation and report. Um, This also makes for grim reading, I have to say, great, because across nearly 8,000 pages, the AR6 details the devastating consequences of rising greenhouse gas, um, GHG, so greenhouse gas is GHG emissions around the world, and the destruction of homes, the loss of livelihoods, the fragmentation of communities, for example, as well as the increasingly dangerous and irreversible risks Should we fail to change course? So it's not a fun read, but it's an absolutely essential, groundbreaking work. And the IPC also offers hope, highlighting pathways to avoid these intensifying risks. It identifies readily available and in some cases, highly cost effective actions that can be undertaken now to reduce GHG emissions, to scale up carbon removal and to build resilience. So while the window to address the climate crisis is rapidly closing, like I say, they say seven to 10 years really, the IPC does affirm that we can still secure a safe and livable future. But it's not gonna happen just by letting someone else do it for us. All of us have to engage in some way. And the IPC big takeaway, hands down, not mincing words here. Number one thing, the world must rapidly shift away from burning fossil fuels. The world must rapidly shift away from burning fossil fuels. The number one cause of the climate crisis. Specifically, on March 20th, 2023, the parties to the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change approved the IPCC assessment report they approved the final output, the synthesis report. The UN Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez called this synthesis report, the survival manual for humanity. The survival manual for humanity. Here are six highlights from this survival manual for humanity. So let's take note. A lot of work's gone into this, and there's no more credible source. Number one human activities have unequivocally caused global warming, with global mean surface temperature reaching 1.1 Celsius in 2011 to 2020. That's above any pre industrial level. The atmospheric CO2 concentrations are higher now than at any time in at least 2 million years. So, the key driver of global warming is fossil fuel use. In 2019, around 79% of global GHG emissions came from their use in energy, industry, transportation, and buildings, and 21% from agriculture, forestry, and other land use. So the report also highlights climate change-driven, growing extreme weather events that are already causing adverse impacts, losses and damages to ecosystems and humans, About 3.3 to 3.6 billion people right now live in contexts, highly vulnerable to climate change. People, that's like approaching 40% of the human population worldwide now, and about 90% of all other species are living in contexts, highly vulnerable to climate change. That's the first point. That's the first takeaway from the manual for human survival. This synthesis report. Number two, emissions have to be cut rapidly, rapidly. Emissions have to be cut rapidly, deeply, and in a sustained manner over time. So the SYR finds our emissions to date already bake in the level of global warming to 1.5 Celsius, which we will reach as soon as in the early 2030s. That's why they're saying seven to 10 years, because at that point, if we don't change things, things will start to creep over the 1.5 Celsius level. So to reach collective carbon uh, net zero by 2050, and to keep the 1.5 Celsius goal, carbon emissions need to be cut by 48% by 2030, 65% cut by 2035, and 99% by 2050. So some carbon dioxide removal will also need to be uh, required to counterbalance any residual GHG emissions. That's the second takeaway. Here's a third. We must phase out fossil fuels fast. Are you hearing a theme here? Third, we must phase out fossil fuels fast. So recommended is removing fossil fuel subsidies by governments. These fossil fuel subs- subsidies that governments pay the fossil fuel industry, I don't know if everyone understands this, but our taxpayer money, this comes from taxpayer money that the government pays fossil fuel industries, coal, coal oil, gas, propping up their costs of producing fossil fuels and increasing instead, if we take away those subsidies for fossil fuels and instead redirect that money to increasing wind and solar, plus using carbon capture and storage, we will start to meet our goals. So, critical is the need to halt all coal use by 2030. Stop it outright. No more coal used after 2030. And to cease all licensing or funding of new oil and gas projects. No more oil and gas projects. No. Coming down at the international level is this demand that CEOs of oil and gas companies present credible, comprehensive, and detailed net zero transition plans in line with the 1.5 Celsius goal, and that they detail clear emission cuts for the 2025-2030 marks, and that they explain in their strategic plans what are their efforts to change their business models, phasing out fossil fuels and scaling up renewable energy? This needs critical mass activism because these companies don't want to change. If they don't have to, they have to be forced to change. They have to be forced to change. They can continue to be energy companies, but they need to shift their sources away from fossil fuels and toward renewable energy quickly, and they must be held accountable. Fourth takeaway from the Human Survival Manual, the IPCC report. Key between now and 2030 is to protect ecosystems. Oh man, go global rights of nature. We must protect ecosystems and shift demand for goods and services away from anything that causes deforestation. That includes energy, fashion, food, animal products, especially certain crops like palm oil, as well as household products, things from mining we've got to stop deforestation because our forests are the greatest carbon capture system on the planet and by, by denuding forests we com- we you know i mean we're just like destroying the planet's ability to balance fifth point takeaway is that we need bank reform We must have bank reform now, not only divestment from fossil fuels by big financiers of these corporations and projects, but bank reform in general, delivering on financial commitments from Copenhagen, Paris, Glasgow, replenishing the Green Climate Fund, providing a roadmap to double adaptation finance by 2025 and implementing this year, the new loss and damage fund adopted at COP 27. I did a whole uh, podcast on that in January of this year, 2023, about loss and damage. Um, These commitments have already been made. These are commitments that have already been made. They've been debated. They've been agreed upon They're promises that have already been made. They are already in the works and we don't hear enough about them. And we must push 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 and use our constituent and customer power to make banks follow through on their commitments that they've already made don't welch on your compact finally the sixth takeaway from the ipcc report is that because of the role of finance because the role of finance is a key enabler of transformation You know, the role of finance is what will fuel transformation. And the IPCC highlights increased finance technology transfer and international cooperation by three to six times needed as key enablers for accelerating action to the scale needed. So, in other words, in order to scale up the transition, the transformation away from fossil fuels away from deforestation to um, Uh, much more sustainable uh, means of production to clean energy. We need finance to step up their commitment three to six times and to have international financial and intellectual sharing on how to do this. Um, That's the sixth takeaway. Wow. So I understand how hard it is to hear these truths. Any of us listening to these podcasts who's willing to do a deeper dive, you are making a personal commitment to be informed in your life, and that comes at a cost. You can't just ignore things, and it's, it's hard to hear this information sometimes, but here we are. That's the state of things on Earth Day 2023. And the amazing fact is we in human civilization have never before had the amount of carefully researched and communicated reality about where we stand now, and also what we need to do to correct our mistakes and move forward to a regenerative future. So the roadmap is before us, and it's a devastating path in one direction, and it's a very promising path in another direction, and we are at a fork in the road right now, this year in 2023. And as someone, myself, who does a lot of therapy with people day in and out, I do I do a lot of therapy, spiritual care, um, various kinds of, of counseling. I, I know that the first step to real change is getting real about the problem at hand. And that includes having to accept responsibility and having to be rigorously honest about the consequences or effects of what's been happening. Because only then, can one really begin the process of constructive change with clear goals that lead to an an improved future? And that's what this is all about. So we have the reality. We have a pathway forward. We have to have political will and we have to have financial buy-in. Today, as I speak to you, the science is clear and we have a planet on life support, it's on palliative care, but she's not yet terminal if we all do some things now. Actually, the planet isn't, isn't on palliative care, but the human race is. I mean, we don't even know it. And we are even being told, what is the treatment plan? We can, we can, we can do this. We don't have to second guess. So let's get to it. Political will is the biggest obstacle. It needs to follow suit. And while people might want to distract us with sideshows about how drag shows and the statue of David, and Dr. Seuss's books, among other things, harm our children, they are complete distractions. And they're trying to distract us from the real killers, gun shootings in schools and the looming climate catastrophe. Let's not get distracted. Let's not get sidetracked by people who are carrying water. For the gun lobby and the fossil fuel lobby, shame on them. The World Resources Institute sums up the finding this way, and I quote, the IPCC's AR6 makes clear that risks of inaction on climate are immense and the way ahead requires change at a scale not seen before. However, This report also serves as a reminder that we have never had more information about both the gravity of the climate emergency, its cascading impacts, or about what needs to be done and what we can do to reduce intensifying risks. Limiting global temperature rise to 1.5 degrees Celsius is still possible, but only if we act immediately. And as the IPCC makes clear, the world needs to peak GHG emissions before 2025 at the very latest, nearly half the GHG emissions by 2030 and reach net zero carbon emissions around mid-century while also ensuring a just and equitable transition. We'll also need an all hands on deck approach to guarantee that communities experiencing increasingly harmful impacts of climate crisis have the resources they need to adapt to this new world. Governments, the private sector, civil society, and individuals must all step up to keep the future we desire in sight. A narrow window of opportunity is still open, but there's really not a second to waste. Okay, so that's the hard news part of this. And here are some resource helps for you in response that really help the earth. Because this Earth Day, there are some things that you could engage To see, you know, when it comes to this bigger picture, you could engage some of the following resources. (coughs) Excuse me. What will help is a combination of personal lifestyle choices and also advocacy as part of the global climate movement. Both involve speaking truth to decision makers, the producers of goods and services who continue to pollute this planet beyond what she can sustain. Number one. You can go to climaterealityproject.org and look under the Take Action tab. Connect with a chapter near you or join a chapter near you. It costs you nothing. And if you can, sign up for a free climate reality leader training and hopefully attend one soon. But join a chapter and get involved with grassroots, uh, you know, organizing where you live through the Climate Reality Project. Ask a climate reality leader to offer your local group a presentation, it's usually done by Zoom, for free to you, about the Inflation Reduction Act, IRA, and how you and your community can take advantage of the tax credits and breaks coming from uh, most recent legislation in the U.S. that helped to electrify your homes and community, transitioning to clean energy. Um, we took that information and we, uh, we have been transitioning our home to solar. We did it. Uh, we're looking at transitioning our, our heat to heat pumps and our cars to electric. Uh, it's possible. We're, we're not rich. We're affording it. We're, we're following. We're taking advantage of these things. So learn about this stuff for your community and be an ambassador of this kind of good news. You can download the Climate Action Now app for free from Google Play or Apple Store. Load in your profile information and start taking five actions a day as recommended it takes less than five minutes. This app is a not for profit platform that connects you to climate actions in your state, as well as the federal actions you should know about. It's free to use, although you can donate to it if you want to at any time. It is safe, it is effective. Um, we, you know, the Climate Reality Project is endorsing Climate Action now. It was created by a Climate Reality leader. Circle Sanctuary promoted it and uh, um, the Green Faith Circle Ministry there uh, encourages people to use it. Uh, You can read all kinds of stuff about it. They, their goal has been to do over a million actions. And when you donate, you also get invited to be part of climate action parties, uh, which are truly amazing, hooking up uh, people on the ground, doing uh, local organizers on the ground, usually in frontline communities with people zooming in to hear about it and then taking literally hundreds of thousands of actions all at once. So it's a way to really crowdsource um, your campaigns or actions. And it's it's pretty it's pretty um, motivating to be a part of one of those. And it costs you nothing. You can join Green Faith USA Green Faith USA or join us at Circle Sanctuary with our Green Faith Circle that meets monthly on Zoom if you are a member of Circle Sanctuary. if you're not a member of, of Circle Sanctuary, join Green Faith USA. And uh, at our circle, we review current Green Faith actions at those meetings. And, uh, you know, if you are a member of Circle Sanctuary, you can email circlesanctuary.org. Let us know you want to join the Green Faith Circle Activism Ministry. And if you're not a Circle Sanctuary member, you can go to www.greenfaith.org. This is an international multi-generational interfaith movement calling people of faith everywhere to speak truth to power and to engage in climate justice activism. Again, it's free to you. Buy sustainable clothing. Use it up the old fashioned way. Repurpose it. That's something you can do. Eat more plants, less meat, factory farms. Are horrendous, they're horrible, they're gross. They cause most of the deforestation we hear about for huge grazing areas, huge feedlots, or for plantation crops like palm oil that are ecocide operations. You've You've all seen the YouTube of the orangutan standing up to a bulldozer to protect his home, you know, just heartbreaking. Yeah, and it's that kind of stuff. Um, If you wonder why you can always torture yourself by looking inside a factory farm operation for cows, pigs, sheep, chickens, turkeys. I mean, you know, that made me vegan for sure. Um, Or just say, you know, I'm going to eat for the planet. I'm going to eat less meat. I'm going to be very careful about plantation crops that I'm buying. And I'm going to look at where my food is sourced and not contributing to deforestation or, you know, horrific. Industrial animal agriculture, and I can do that. I can do that. Those are two lifestyle choices you can make right now that help Mother Gaia. Another one you can do is buy products not made with petrol products in them. Remember Vaseline, petroleum jelly. Now that I think about it, it's so cringeworthy. Um, We use that stuff all the time over everything when I was growing up, but no more, you know. Also use products that reduce plastic packaging, uh, which is again, a derivative of fossil fuels, Um, petrochemicals and plastics. Be a pain in the ass. Sure, go ahead and do it. Tell them you don't want their cheap crap shipped to you in plastic. You'd rather support local merchants who give a crap about the planet. The fossil fuel industry has it in their business strategic plan to pivot to an alarming increase in plastic production as I said, derived from fossil fuels, as the energy sector is decreasing its use of coal, uh, excuse me, coal, oil, and gas, these corporations are planning to increase their production of plastic. And they so often take their um, cracker plants, you know, uh, to BIPOC communities, to low income communities, to places that they feel uh, don't really have a lot of leverage in stopping their projects or holding them accountable. And that's the eco justice uh, aspect of this. So if you wanna know how awful this kind of thing is, check out one of the biggest cases in environmental racism, Cancer Alley in Louisiana. This is a region where formerly enslaved Africans were forced to work and live and it's still a mostly African-American community. It's an 85 mile stretch of land along the Mississippi River between Baton Rouge and New Orleans and the uh, river parishes of Louisiana which contain over 200 petrochemical plants and refineries. This area accounts for 25% of the petrochemical production in the US and the region is considered a sacrifice zone. That's a thing a sacrifice zone, that means genocide or ecocide, where the industry, that is the, per- the perpetrator, figures they can sacrifice this human community, this ecosystem, this bioregion, that it's a necessary sacrifice for the continued production of their goods and services. In Cancer Alley, 46 individuals per 1 million are at risk of developing cancer compared with the national average of roughly 30 individuals per 1 million, so the abnormally high cancer risk and concentration of petrochemical operations inspired the Cancer Alley moniker, right? A very strong example, among so many others, in which we see the very same producers, and I'm going to call them capitalist polluters, are willing to sacrifice communities, ecosystem, heck, the entire web of life and their inexhaustible quest for profit. And we have to stand up as people of faith and say, this simply cannot stand. What could be more immoral? What could be more immoral? So Earth Day this day, this year, has to hold these producer polluters accountable and demand that they and their political lackeys change. Business as usual. And they're not going to do it out of the goodness of their hearts, having had an altruistic change of heart. Yeah, no, they will do it when business as usual can no longer work. And our constituent and customer power has got to disrupt business as usual. Strikes, comments, crowdsourcing actions, all these things work. And it's proven that we can't do this alone, but we can do it collectively. And we are doing it collectively. And that's why we need groups to be a part of and a movement to be a part of, to build resistance against unnecessary extinction, unnecessary extinction. So what then about the US Climate Action Summit? How does that fit into this whole thing? Well, it really gets to the question or the issue of political will. So what is the US Climate Action Summit? Well, back for its third year, The U.S. Climate Action Summit unites key leaders in business, politics and advocacy to drive U.S. climate momentum during Earth Week. So it's going to be taking place, um, you know, on April 19th, that that whole sort of Earth Week in the U.S. And and basically, this is a summit of leaders who are focused on climate change and what to do about it. And the goal for the U.S. Climate Action Summit is to create uh, a participant led platform. That drives measurable outcomes on climate policy and business action, and it, it really has attendees at the heart of the agenda. There are, there's a lot of debating that goes on um, this year that, like I said, the summit is going to occur on April 19th, 2023, um, and the climate group, which is www.theclimategroup.org, that's www number two dot theclimategroup.org. They're hosting the U.S. Climate Action Summit. And this is the third of them, because the first was in 2020, after President Joe Biden was elected President of the United States, after fulfilling his promise to bring America back into the Paris Climate Agreement, President Biden convened 40 4-0 40 world leaders in a virtual leaders summit on climate in April 2021 to rally the world in tackling the climate crisis and meeting the demands of science IPCC. And the United States and other countries announced ambitious new climate targets, ensuring that nations accounting for half the world's economy have now committed to the emission reductions needed globally to keep the goal of limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius within reach. Many leaders underscored the urgency of other major economies, strengthening their ambition as well on the road to the United Nations Climate Change Conference, which was COP26 in November 2021 in Glasgow. So. That's kind of how these things all are connected. President Biden was elected campaign promises each year. He's had these leaders come together with USA debate leaders in business and policy um, in advocacy groups, you know, really figuring out how to get measurable outcomes, moving toward goals set forth by the Paris Climate Agreement. And then that's part of the big move that goes back to the United Nations uh, climate conferences or COPs each year. And it's gone better and worse and better and worse, a lot of talk, not enough commitments and actions yet, but this is three this is the third one in the works now, so the summit. uh, which so far is the largest virtual gathering of world leaders um, convened the world's 17 largest economies and greenhouse gas emitters and included the leaders of other countries, especially vulnerable to climate impacts or charting innovative pathways to a net zero economy. That's the goal. How do we get innovative pathways to a net zero economy? How can we use the incredible engine of the American economy to help us get to net zero economy? President Biden was joined at the summit um, back then in 2021 by Vice President Harris, uh, members of the President's Cabinet, and many, many, many other senior representatives of other countries and leaders from business and civil society. So with science telling us that the world needs to significantly increase the scale and the speed of climate action and finance, President Biden considered it vital to get this kind of climate action summit going within his first 100 days in office, to make clear that it is a top US priority to combat the climate crisis at home and abroad, and it's been going on each year now. So one of the big themes of this year's US Climate Summit will be a transition to a green economy and the significance of two landmark pieces of legislation in the US now turned into law, which mark a turning point if fully enacted in the shift away from fossil fuel addiction and a move towards solving the climate crisis. These two pieces of legislation that became law are the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, BIL, and the Inflation Reduction Act, IRA. And together, these two laws now represent the biggest and boldest investment in meaningful climate action and environmental justice that any nation has ever passed in the history of humankind. That is huge. And now we got to figure out how to use it, how to use what's in these laws, make them work like they're supposed to. So not only will these laws help the U.S. to cut our carbon emissions in half by 2030, but they will do so in ways that usher in a more just and equitable future. That's the intent. Former Vice President and Nobel Laureate Al Gore said of these laws that they are meant, I quote, to turn the incredible engine of the American economy into a world-changing force for climate action. We are already seeing other countries trying to match what the U.S. has already done. We're seeing a race to the top of climate action in the international space, unquote. The IRA alone, the um, Inflation Reduction Act, includes $3.69 billion of government financing through new incentive-based policies to transition the green economy. And earlier, the bipartisan infrastructure law became the largest ever investment in green jobs and infrastructure. What we do next to maximize and capitalize these historic investments is critical how do we help the green economy become the economy? How do we help the green economy become the economy? (laughs) And as a result of this law, we are already seeing the marketplace respond. For example, JP Morgan has come forward to invest 1 trillion toward green energy development. And some estimates are totaling 4 trillion from finance firms toward green energy investment. That is translating into 9 million new good paying green jobs. So the marketplace, is getting incentives to move the needle. This is part of that race to the top that Gore is speaking of. And when big banks and funds flood the market with more money toward green energy investment, it gets exciting. However, only 32% of likely US voters know that this law, the IRA and the BIR are filled with tax credits and benefits that help them move toward home electrification, home improvement, saving on energy, improving air quality in their homes. Only 32% of likely U.S. voters know that. So that means that over, what, over, what, 67% of likely voters in the U.S. need to understand how beneficial these new laws are for them. And so for more information, you can actually listen to the Blue Marble podcast from September 2022 called Green Incentives in the New Inflation Reduction Act. And that's through the circle sanctuary blog talk radio you can go to blog talk radio type in uh, blog talk radio sorry slash csmp type in the search blue marble with rev charbear and scroll the archive for that title meanwhile We're up against headwinds, of course, from a rapidly, a rapidly obstructionist GOP House majority. I mean, razor thin as that is, it is enough to obstruct more potent progress that was part of the plan for moving us toward a green economy. So the Climate Action Summit will continue to discuss this, work on solutions that engage the marketplace in ways that politics might not at this point. So we're hoping the marketplace isn't going to stall just because our US politics are stalling in Congress. And again, the Climate Reality Project, of which I'm a part, will be completing another mass training with over 8,000 folks registered, all of whom will be equipped with easy to understand information for you and your communities about the BIA, and the IRA benefits for your home or business. And you can do the homework yourself. It's a lot of reading, but you could can if you want. You can go to Inflation Reduction Act Guidebook clean energy, the White House. You can just you know, browse that and you can download the IRA guidebook for free or, or you can just request a free presentation by one of these 8,000 climate reality leader presenters for your local group. You can go to www.climaterealityproject.org and contact them to request a local presentation about the benefits of the IRA and the bir so in answer to the question are these summits any use are they just more gaslighting more greenwashing more posing more blah 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 as greta thunberg says it looks like as of now we still live in a representative democracy and we are now in the most important decade of the climate crisis hands down this is on our watch people And there's some good to be explored debated and agreed upon but unless the outcomes translate into action measurable outcomes real action then they're just noise we the people are the ones who need to ensure that promises made become actions completed and that commitments made become real progress at this point we don't have to work hard to figure out what to do we, we've even come a long way in agreeing upon what we need to do. We just need to make sure that those who've made the commitments actually do them. So must we change? Yeah. Can we change? Yes. Will we change? I hope so. And we got to push those who are able to change to make sure they follow through on it. Having said that. There is one more super important thing that you can do right now, this Earth Month. Please tell your representatives, your members of Congress and senators to stop, ban, abolish, do not support the new polluters over people act. Let them know that is not the direction we want our politicians to be moving in. No, really, put the pressure on them because this is atrocious. I'm referring to the newly introduced HR one bill. It was introduced March 30th, 2023, just the month before Earth Day. And it's called the Polluters Over People Act, which says it all. It is a sweeping attack on this country's bedrock environmental laws. It's an unequivocal rejection of every principle of environmental justice. What it is really is a giveaway to enrich big oil and gas at the expense of communities on the front lines from the attacks on the National Environmental Policy Act, NEPA, to removing several key programs passed in the Inflation Reduction Act, to mandating new quarterly oil and gas lease sales. Can you imagine mandating quarterly new oil and gas lease sales? Not allowing people in frontline communities to have any protection in stopping oil and gas leases in their community to removing National Environmental Policy Act stipulations, to removing some of the programs that we were just talking about, this landmark legislation we passed. Clearly, the Polluters Over People Act seeks to lock in the worst and most egregious fossil fuel extraction activities for decades to come while shutting down our clean energy boom here at home. And it is clearly meant to undermine the progress that new laws like the IRA have made. Um, 350.org, great organization, Bill McKibben and company, um, they reported in March that the Polluters over People Act would exacerbate the climate crisis and the disproportionate harm to frontline communities, both through direct climate impacts and by limiting valuable public input in the permitting process of new energy projects. So it takes the democracy out of any approval for oil and gas leasing, any oversight for oil and gas. I mean, this is draconian. And if it becomes law, HR one would reverse progress and end new programs set in place by the Inflation Reduction Act and the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act while also undermining critical longstanding environmental law. So HR one would also repeal the Greenhouse Gas Reduction Fund which has dedicated a majority of funds to projects that reduce pollution in disadvantaged communities. So climate activism, eco-justice, climate justice, it is all under attack by HR1. Um, Jeff Ordauer, who's 350.org's North American director, I wanted to share with you what he said, and this is a quote. He says, the Polluters Over People Act is a direct attack on climate justice, and on key programs to protect frontline communities from the impacts of climate chaos. While we are glad that President Biden has vowed to veto HR1 if it gets to his desk, he and many supposed climate champions in Congress as well have already shown their willingness to compromise on promises made to frontline communities. Look at the Willow Project that he approved. Look at the uh, new approvals of oil and gas in the in the Gulf that were never supposed to happen. So. We call on the Senate and President Biden, to whom this bill will go once Congress is expected to pass it, to continue to reject HR 1 in full and ensure that we don't reverse or slow our progress by clearing the path to new fossil fuel projects and limiting community oversight of those projects. Scientists have been crystal clear we must end all extraction of fossil fuels now. And switch to 100% justly sourced, justly implemented renewable energy. So we must reject HR1 and any attempts to put profit and polluters over people and the planet. So I am speaking here as an individual citizen, not as a representative of any nonprofit organization with which I am associated. So that's my disclaimer. And this is my plea to you as a person of faith, as an activist, as an advocate, as a citizen, as a veteran, as a person who cares deeply about this planet, about this country, and about stopping all forms of ecocide and genocide. As someone who cares deeply about protecting the most vulnerable communities, human and non-human, I think it is hugely important now to let your representatives know that you won't tolerate dangerous bills like this, which benefit big oil with its record profits and expansion. If you need more information, you can go to 350.org statement on HR1 or just www.350.org slash press release polluters over people act. So as we celebrate Earth Day, 2023, I invite you to ground it in reverence with me. I invite you to place your hands on your heart to visualize the interconnectedness of all life, ours with our mother Gaia. Perhaps you'll place your hands over your chest, And with one hand, face East, looking to the East, I give thanks for the air, the expanse, the atmosphere. You are the respiratory system of our planet as gentle breeze or mighty wind. You are inspiration that begins life and expiration that concludes life. Our lungs depend upon your lungs. They are one Now maybe place one hand on your heart and one hand on your thyroid gland on your throat. Looking to the south, I give thanks for fire and the molten center of the world beneath the land beneath the ocean deep. Like the heart beating in the middle of our chest, you are the pump that keeps us alive. You are the endocrine system of the planet, regulating heat and passion. You are the cardiovascular system of the planet and never sleeping, but continuously generating energy. We depend upon your balance. Maybe looking to the West, I invite you to place both hands on your belly. Looking to the West, I give thanks for water the streams, the rivers, the ponds, the lakes, the seas, the oceans, to every manifestation of water. You are the reproductive system, the circulatory system, the lymphatic system, and the digestive system of the planet. The breathtaking biodiversity of our world began in you and extends from your shallows to the darkest parts of Oceana. All life requires you to survive. Your hydrological cycle of snow, rain, precipitation, evaporation carries nutrients everywhere. Your interconnection of water bodies moves nourishment through the living currents, through all parts of the world. 85% water, you are us and we are you. Looking to the north, I invite you to grab both wrists in a hand lock. Looking to the north, I give thanks for the earth, the land, terra, the flesh, skin and bones of the planet. You, you are the loam, the rock, the shale and slab. You are the flora and the fauna, the memories of the planet. You are flesh, muscle, gristle, filament and skeleton. You are the hair, the fur, the feathers, the claws, the ligaments and lashes, the mucus, organs and scales. You are conifer and evergreen, orchards and vines, thistles and flowers. Our flesh and bones, trunks and leaves in all forms are yours. And our ancestral memories dwell in you in every layer of the geological record. I invite you to hand hold your hands over your eyes now finally as we look to spirit I give thanks for all of the essences the elements the entities and guides who are the central nervous system and the brain of the upper middle and lower worlds intangible and yet unmistakable sources of creativity and ingenuity because you are the very identity of Gaia that connects our neurons and synapses our life systems to three planets' life systems, our soul to the planet's soul. Your consciousness is our consciousness. And you are welcome to say this pledge with me if you like. As long as I breathe, walk, stand, and live on this planet, I will do what I can do to support you, Gaia, Great Mother. And your sacred web of life, my kin, my life, my love. Oh Oh. oh. Well, that wraps up this installment of Blue Marble Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you value what you've heard here today, please share this information with others. New Blue Marble Podcasts air live on the third Friday of every month and are available for listening anytime after they air through our channel on Blog Talk Radio. Go to www.blogtalkradio.com slash csnp search for blue marble with rev Charbert, and you will find the archive of these podcasts click on any you want to hear or download for later listening you can also follow our podcasts on facebook at www.facebook.com slash csn podcasts finally you can find a complete archive of hundreds of programs by all of our excellent podcasters on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org under the CSNP tab. Until next time, this is Sharbair signing off. Thank you for all the good you do. Stay true and blue. And hey, I hope to see you in the green space.